Hey, are you feeling stuck? Stop what you're doing and go work on a jigsaw puzzle. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Hey, we got a lot to cover today. I'm going to tell you the 10 characteristics of people who end up rich. Now, here's some of the other things we're going to be covering. This coronavirus has just caused an explosion of scams directed at work at home opportunities. I'm going to give you some guidelines on that. I'm going to tell you why I enjoy jigsaw puzzles. Started off with that. I'm going to tell you why the, the real benefits of doing that. And then we get questions from listeners. Somebody says, I'm a physician with lots of credentials and feel like it's time to transition to the vocation that is a match for my unique abilities, talents, and work style. Somebody says, I dread speaking, but I love speaking. What's wrong with me? And Melissa asks, can I use a quotation from a copyrighted book in my own book? Well, we'll be looking at those and weaving some other things in as we go along. Here's our quotation for today. One of the, this comes from Henry Ford, incidentally, you know, I draw from the old masters of achievement a lot. I like to study what they did, how they approached work, how they worked with other people, how they made money, all those kind of things. But this is from Henry Ford, who says, one of the greatest discoveries a man makes, one of his great surprises is to find he can do what he was afraid he couldn't do. That's a pretty clear underlying theme for some of the questions today and some of the things that you all may be dealing with right now. You may, this may be a time when you discover that you can do what you were afraid you couldn't do. It's an opportunity a lot of us are finding for trying new things when the old things don't work the same way anymore. You may not be able to go to the job that you had or open the, the business that you had, but it's an opportunity to say, okay, if I can't do that, what is it that I can move into? And it may be moving you right into something you were afraid you couldn't do, but now's the time. Increase your courage, create a plan, jump in the game. So our resource for today is, it's a fear assessment. Recently had my friend Ruth Sukup on as our Monday Mentor guest in the Eagles community. She has a book, Do It Scared, and she has a free resource to identify the fear that you're dealing with. Now, all of us have those. I mean, I went through it. My fear archetype is described as the outcast. Uh, there are things that I do to protect myself and control my fears. And it was really enlightening. But if you go to doitscared.com, you'll see there's a free assessment. So the easiest way is just go there and just go through that and discover what is the fear? Even if you feel like you're doing pretty well, that's great. I commend you on that. But if you are struggling, especially, go there, figure that out, start from there, and then you can move through that. Fear is not something we, we're going to get rid of totally. That's not even the point. Fear works on our behalf. It, work, it helps to protect us. But if we know how to frame it, know what is unique to us about the fears that we're likely to be confronted with, then we can move on past that. Well, let's go right into, we got, there's so many good things going on right now. It's just impossible to list, but the people who are reaching out, helping others, golly, there's a note about a, a little cashier who 
some an old elderly person came in and then realized that she was short on the money she needed to pay for the groceries she got. And a little cashier just paid her check, paid, paid the bill for her, 173 bucks. I mean, there's so many stories like that right here in our local community in Franklin, Tennessee, the stories of merchants like Andy Marshall, who has seven restaurants, totally closed down for the last six weeks. And he's been giving food away to people that need it. You know, provide an opportunity, just be an incredible encourager to everybody, even while his own businesses have been shut down. Those stories go on and I know you've got lots of them as well. Now I'm going to tell you about 10 characteristics of people who end up rich. I, I, this is a, a list that I put together quite some time ago. I know I've shared it on here in past years probably, but it seems so applicable now because these are things that somebody can do right now. You can still display the characteristics of somebody who ends up wealthy. Here they go. Number one, expect success. Number two, create a clear plan. Number three, work hard. Number four, avoid debt. Number five, be teachable and a lifelong learner. That's going to come up again here in a minute. Number six, exercise self-control, persistence, and delayed gratification. Number seven, accept personal responsibility. Number eight, keep good company. Number nine, be opportunity conscious. And number 10, enjoy the present, but plan for the future. Now, you know, those just really jump out at me right now because those are things, no matter what your circumstances, no matter what's happened to your job, your business, your career, whatever, it doesn't matter. You can have, you can display those 10 characteristics. And those are the characteristics that are, always present in people who end up rich. It just goes together. Now, none of those had to do with making money directly. They're more mindset, they're personal characteristics, but it opens a door for money to show up. Now, I'll put those in the show notes. We'll list those so you can go back through and pick them apart if you want to, add to it. If you know others, I'd be delighted to hear from you. Incidentally, you can always shoot your suggestions like that into me directly at askdan at 48days.com. Now, here's some of the things that are going on. These are tough kind of things because there's there's so many scammers out there who are targeting work at home job seekers. I mean, everybody's looking for opportunities where not being able to go to work or get out, you know, the shelter at home kind of requirements that we've had here recently. People are looking for opportunities to work from home. And a lot of people are discovering they can do, you know, Amazon or they can do webinars, training, they can create courses, a lot of things that people are discovering they can do and rightfully so. And a whole lot of legitimate things that people really can do. But be careful. If you're looking, you're also a target for these idiots out here who put together ways to take advantage of people who are desperate or needy or seeking opportunities. So there's a whole lot of things out there. Now, the oldest ones out there, of course, are where, you know, they say that um, they're going to employ you from home. You're going to be able just to, you know, put these things together. It's simple. And there may even be testimonials from people who say they're making thousands of dollars. Well, they're probably fake testimonials. I mean, these people have no scruples, so they're fake testimonials. And what they don't tell you typically is that you're going to have to pay for supplies, for training, for registration, and a whole lot of other things. You know, they get you all hyped up about these big possibilities. You're going to be making big money. And they say, oh, incidentally, you know, we need $395 just for your training and the materials we're going to send you. Well, and then you send the money and don't get anything. 
And it's unfortunately, that's just very, very common out there. And the same thing is true when they're promising you jobs. They have jobs and they know companies that are hiring people from home. And yes, you know, oh, there's something that fits you perfectly. Wow, you, we saw your resume. You're a perfect match for this company. And they pay $70,000 and you can work at home and you can work at your own time. But incidentally, just to process the paperwork and get you into our system, you know, you need to send us $400. Well, don't do that. Don't do that. I mean, there, there's companies out there, there's a whole lot of fake federal government jobs. I mean, these are posted by scammers posing as job finders. They often label this kind of work as previously undisclosed jobs, you know, implying that somehow they have privileged access to those opportunities. I mean, there's, there's a lot of information on government jobs out there. Just go to usajobs.gov, usajobs.gov. There are things out, but be careful about these companies that say they have some kind of an inside track because, again, inevitably what they're going to do is ask for money in advance. Business opportunities, thousands and thousands of them out there. Now, I've put together business opportunities. I love that. I love the possibilities of having something where you've proven a pathway, proven a little business idea, and you put together as a business opportunity. I mean, if you bring that all the way down to a really basic level. I mean, we have our 48 low or no cost business opportunities put together in a book. Now, most of those are things that I've really done and we do charge for the book. I think it's like 17 bucks or something. If you're a member of the Eagles community, you get it free. But uh, so there's the legitimacy in putting together. And, and certainly we move on up from that business opportunities and then go into like franchises. Well, sure. You're going to have to pay for a franchise. If you want a McDonald's or a Wendy's or a Subway, uh, you're going to have to pay for that. There's, there's a legitimate opportunities in these things as well. That's why it's you have to be discerning. You have to figure out what of these things really does make sense. But just be aware that right now there's a whole lot of scammers that are offering opportunities out there that look like they're good, too good to be true. And guess what? They are. All right. Hey, I want to tell you why I'm doing jigsaw puzzles. Joanna and I just finished one again last night, a, a thousand piece. It's a beautiful picture at an old pickup truck with vegetables in the back. And we loved putting it together. It took us about a week, I suppose, just spare time here and there. But I, I saw my friend Scott Beebe from Business on Purpose do a little video clip on the fact that he and his family have been working on jigsaw puzzles. I think it's something that a lot of people have gone to because we have more time at home, running around like crazy people, more time at home. And you know, what are you going to do? And so people are pulling out puzzles. And I think it's a great, great option. Now, Scott kind of prompted my thinking because he identified some of the business characteristics that seem to line up with putting puzzles together. So I sat down and I started thinking through that. I want to just go through some things. Now, I'm not, you know, I don't have puzzles to sell, but I've just, I like the parallel. I like the parallel that I kind of thought of in thinking through this. Wow, there's a lot of parallel there. Putting puzzles together as it relates to business building. All right, so here we go. You have a clear picture of the end goal. I love that. A lot of people start businesses and they don't even have a real clear picture of what the end goal is going to look like. With a puzzle, boom, there it is, right in the front of the box. That's exactly what you're shooting for. That's what you want it to look like. 
I think it's a great kind of metaphor for approaching a business, starting a business, get a real clear picture of what you want it to look for. And then with a puzzle, you're able to segment immediately. You dump it out of the box. I mean, it's just cut up cardboard. You dump it out of the box and you start grouping it into things that obviously go together. Colors tell us what's likely to fit together. So you start making those kind of groupings. So you don't just have everything's a possibility, you know, every piece is a possibility for the next one you need. No, you group them together in colors. So you start to segment your work out. That's something we would want to do as we start a business. You can work on separate projects, even while knowing eventually they have to all work together. I love that. You know, Joanne will work on something. I, I go right for the, I like puzzles that have old cars in them. And it's easy for me to see kind of how the cars fit together. So it's almost like, you know, creating a model, but it, it just gives me a visual in my mind that makes it easy to go to that. Well, Joanne will work on trees and flowers and things that she enjoys. So it makes it easy to kind of segment it out, knowing that eventually they're going to have to come back and fit together. And you have to figure out how these little pieces you know, are eventually going to be part of that big picture that you saw. I think working on puzzles fosters cooperation, mutual respect, encouraging each other, I mean, complimenting when an especially difficult part is complete. I find Joanna and I doing that just naturally. Well, you know somebody, you know, I know she's working for, looking for a really tough piece and then Wow, 10 minutes go by and she, oh, I found it. Well, golly, that's a time of celebration when we do that. And incidentally, when that happens, there's a dopamine release in our brains. I mean, there really is something neurological that happens when there's a breakthrough like that, or even the little successful solutions, our brain rewards us. Well, what does that do? I mean, it's like a runner. You get that dopamine hit, you know, it, it drives you on, it rewards you. You feel a burst of confidence, it moves you on. So those challenges keep us motivated to find even more solutions. All right, still working on puzzles here. It encourages social connection, opens the door for meaningful conversation that could be about work or other things. I mean, it's a very relaxed time together. Uh, stress is reduced. Now, now, here's the thing about in a business perspective as well. You don't have to stick with one vision forever. Now, I like, you know, I, I've, you've probably heard me talk. I'm a three-year guy. I, mean, I like to work on things in three-year bursts. There are things where I accomplish it, and then I get kind of tired of that, and I move on. Keep in mind, you don't have to stick with one vision forever. You can put it back in the box and get ready to begin on a new project. You know, we have people ask us, I join usually post, you know, on social media when we finish a big puzzle like this. And a lot of people are like, oh, what are you doing with all the puzzles that you finish? Well, believe me, we aren't laminating them and hanging them in the walls. No, Joanne's an artist. We have beautiful art in our home because of what she does. We don't need an old clunky puzzle put up there. We take it apart and put it back in the box. I have no problem at all doing that. If we spend a week working on it, the finished project, here's the thing. The process of doing it is where the reward lies. It's not just in completing it so you have something to look at. It's kind of anticlimactic. It's like, you know, the dog chasing the car. Gee, you catch a, catch a car, now what? No, the fun is in the process of getting there. Little kids anticipating Christmas. It's the anticipation that's so exciting. So in this, it's, it's the benefits of working together that remains, even if the project disappears. Reminds me of years ago when Jared, our son, was um, 17 years old. 
I had purchased a 1968 Volkswagen Carmen Ghia before he turned 16, and we worked on it. We rebuilt everything. We pulled the engine out of it, rebuilt it. We pulled all the glass, replaced all the rubber around all the glass, you know, all new carpeting in there, everything. We worked on it for yeah, a year and a half before we ever backed it out. Three weeks after we finished it, three weeks after he started driving it, he totaled it. Now, he was devastated, and rightfully so. But if you ask him today, that was years ago, you ask him today, you think back, the value of the time that we spent together as a father and son working on that car, that can't be taken away. That's what we remember as valuable. Yeah, the car was gorgeous, but cars can be replaced. But the time spent together, the process of working together, all the things we talked about, deepening our relationship, that can never be taken away. And I feel the same way about puzzles. I mean, those are things that remain. Well, there's a lot of other just in general, benefits of working puzzles improve your short-term memory. You get better problem-solving skills, improved visual reasoning. It actually has been shown to increase your IQ. The University of Michigan found that adults could boost their IQ by four points after spending 25 minutes a day playing puzzles. And because of those things, it delays dementia, Alzheimer's, supports the growth of new nerve cells, And as I mentioned, it lowers stress levels, helps us relax. Now, contrast right now. If you spent two hours watching TV or two hours working on a puzzle, how are you going to feel at the end of both of those? Well, I think it's pretty clear. At least you know my biases. You know, you experience better collaboration, increased attention to detail, and, and one of the cool things is that working a jigsaw puzzle exercises both the left brain and right brain. We talk about the, the left brain being very logical, analytical, your reasoning side, and then the right brain being the creative, artistic. Well, it exercises both. You have to be very attuned to detail, those little subtle changes in size and shape that are going to make the next puzzle piece of piece fit in. At the same time, it's almost like an artistic experience to bring a whole puzzle to life. Well, hey, I didn't mean to get carried away with that. Hope you enjoyed that. And you might want to experiment with that. It's something fairly new for Joanne and me. I mean, you know, we've done a few over the years, but not with the intensity that we're doing right now during this time when things are kind of different. All right, this comes from Stephanie. And Stephanie says, I'm a physician with lots of credentials, MD, FACP, CHPE, and on and so on. I just earned my Master of Science degree in clinical research. I mostly see patients, have also written grants, conducted research, and published papers. I've moved around to four institutions since 2004, and I'm just plain burned out. Thank God I paid off all my six-figure medical school loan debt some years ago, and I'm cleaning up a small amount of credit debt, car, credit card debt now. I feel it's time to transition to the vocation. Now, check this out. Here she is, a physician, lots of degrees, credentials. She says, I feel it's time to transition to the vocation that is a match for my unique abilities, talents, and work style. But first, I need help sorting out whether I'm an owl with eagle tendencies or the reverse. That's really interesting there. We use that terminology as it relates to the DISC personality profile. The OWL would be a high C, somebody who's very analytical, detailed, 
kind of what I just described as the left brain person. And then the eagle would be a high D, somebody who's very get out there and get it, go after it, opinionated, high pressure salesperson, you know, nothing stops them. So those are kind of at the two ends of this at the spectrum. Frankly, they can go together because they're very, they're both very results oriented. So they can go together. Anyway, she says, I need help sorting out whether I'm an owl with eagle tendencies or the reverse. I'm independent, hate to be micromanaged, prefer ideas, drive projects to completion, persuasively debate, analytically create and design with detail, but see big picture. What say you? Wow. Stephanie, I love this setup here. I love your openness about not being where you want to be. And I love the fact that you obviously know yourself really well. I mean, that's a great start. I mean, that's what I describe as in 48 days as 85% of the process, looking inward first, know what, know yourself so well, that gives you the basis for then making those application decisions, which are the other 15%. And I love the fact that you recognize you're not trapped just because of all those fancy, expensive degrees you have. No, there's lots of people who are changing. I don't know how old you are. There are a lot of people who are changing direction or realigning, you know, at 45, at 55, at 65, whatever, you know, where they have credentials. So be that as a medical doctor, attorney, um, golly, dentist, accountant, engineer, pastor, all those people who have a lot of academic degrees as you have and that they realize, eh, this probably isn't it. I need something that really embraces, as you say, is a match for your unique abilities, talents, and work style. You can do that. Absolutely, you can do that. Now, I'm going to send you a personal note here to get what I'd like is a little more information about your work history and your age and all of that so we can really help you shape what your best options are. And for those of you listening, my goodness, if you just go to 48days.com slash coaching, That's another resource for you. Just go there. You can explore the different ways that we work with people. Some of those I personally do and some, you know, are other 48 days coaches, but just seeing the overview of what a coaching process looks like can help you get clear on what your own solutions are. I mean, we often have people fill out the coaching application and then they write us a note and say, oh my gosh, I got so much information about myself with the questions you ask. I feel like I got clarity that I needed. <laughs> I think that's great. I mean, I love it when that happens. And I love the fact that Stephanie is an ongoing learner. Right now, there are so many opportunities to be learning. And you know, right now, golly, there have been so many things that have been turned upside down. We're all adjusting to this new world of working remote. I'm taking a couple online courses right now, and I want to tell you a resource where you can do the same. Now, this is my friends over at LinkedIn Learning. They're here to help you and your teams. I mean, these are courses that really can have to do with improving your team interaction. So you can not only stay productive at home, but also support what you're doing personally, your well-being, and also the work that you're doing as a team. You may have changed how you're working together. Well, get up to speed with how to do that effectively. So here's the deal. LinkedIn Learning is offering a wide variety of their most popular online courses for free right now. You can learn from real-world experts who share tips about how to cope with stress, how to manage a remote team, and even look great on video conference calls. We're all enamored right now with Zoom. We're doing so much on Zoom. Yeah, how do you, how do, you do that? 
How do you do that well? If you're a communicator or a team leader, you know, learn how to do that well. Well, there's a whole lot of courses for salespeople, recruiters, small businesses, much more. Check out the free LinkedIn learning courses. Share those with your team. I'm sure they'd appreciate the extra support right now. If you want to learn more about LinkedIn Learning, the trusted online learning solution for over 78% of Fortune 100 companies, their consultants will also be available. Happy to talk to you if you want to. So here's the deal. Here's what you need to go. Go to biz, Just go to linkedinlearning.com slash days, D-A-Y-S, because you get it through 48 days here to explore dozens of their free courses. Again, that's linkedinlearning.com slash days. Yes, be a continued learner. Don't settle for where you are as a stopping point. Well, hey, just a break here and we got a couple more questions I want to go through here. We won't have it be a full 48 minutes today, but I got a couple other questions that are great thought stimulators for all of us. But just a reminder, these are real life questions coming from you, our listeners. I love getting your feedback. If you have time to rate and review the show, that's always appreciated. I don't mention that much, but people go there and I appreciate it when you do. And then if you have a question or a success story that you want to share, just shoot it into me at askdan at 48days.com. Again, this is just simply askdan at 48days.com. So this comes from Tom, who says, this is pretty cool. I love the setup here. He says, I discovered you years ago via Dave Ramsey. I purchased 48 Days to the Work You Love, yet never seemed to really believe I found it. In fact, next to me on a shelf is the 48 Days to Creative Income Binder, Wow, that goes back a ways. 48 Days to Creative Income was what I put together after that first rough version of 48 Days to the Work You Love for people who were saying, then, I'm not sure I really want another job. I've been let go three times in the last two years. I've got this idea, you know, can I turn this into something? Well, that I put together, how you take an idea, how you shape it. And that was 48 Days to Creative Income. Now that's not available out there anymore. That was years and years ago. Because then as my my opportunities increased, I did a, a traditional book version of 48 Days to the Work You Love. And then right after that, I did No More Dreaded Mondays, which is the content that used to be in 48 Days to Creative Income. Anyway, just a throwback there. I love that. So Tom says, for decades, I've had a recurring dream. I'm on stage before a large audience. I've got a book in hand. I'm speaking from a book. It's always the same book. On one cover, the book title reads Bible. When I flip the book over, it reads Manual. I'm sorry, this reads like a a bit like a confession, doesn't it? Then I don't know where this podcast with this guest, totally unexpected, amazing, God-given so many of the very points I've wanted information on, but didn't know where to start. Now, here's what he's referring to. He's referring to last week's podcast, where I had as my guest, my good friend, Kent Julian, who trains speakers. And we talked about, nobody's listening to me, how to frame your core message into a message and then how to engage with people and let them enjoy that message. So that's what Tom is referring to. He says, I've never considered myself a speaker, yet I've always found myself wanting to be a speaker. Now at age 53, I look back and realize I've been doing it my entire life. Sunday school classes, weekend day messages to congregation, executive software instructor, retail sales trainer, small group leader, et cetera. 
the the question is, he says, even after years of speaking, public and private, presentations and the like, why does speaking always seem like a yoke in my shoulders, but so effortless when I'm in the moment? I dread doing it, yet I feel absolutely at peace when I am doing it. I'm always doing it in my head. I'm constantly trying to figure out ways how I might present anything in a manner that's easy and readily graspable. I regularly find myself thinking about teaching, instructing, directing, mentoring, trying to teach my daughters that learning and meaning come from seeing the same picture the other person sees in his or her mind. I don't get it. Some perspective, please. Well, I don't know of a better source for you. I've got another question here. Actually, there were several this week, but some from somebody. How do you build up your confidence? How do you how do you deal with the struggle with believing in yourself and what you have to offer? Anyway, a bunch of them like that. So let's just kind of group them together here. Now, for for you, Tom, with with your speaking, I can't give you a better resource than the material we had last week in last week's podcast where I interviewed Kent Julian and he has material that paid, you know, paid to speak podcast. I mean, if you can go get information from him, Kent Julian, just do a quick Google search. I'll give you all his resources, but here's the real issue. And that is when you have something like speaking that you want to do, there's nothing that helps build your confidence like just simply doing it, doing it more. I mean, I heard Zig Ziglar say one time that he spoke for over 3,000 times before he ever got paid for doing that. My own journey. I mean, I was teaching Sunday school class. You know, I did that for years before I ever even thought about speaking in a way that I would be paid for it or creating content that I would be paid for. But just doing it like that helped. When I went to graduate school, so I graduated from the Ohio State University, then I was out for four years, and then went back to get my master's degree, and I was offered a teaching assistantship. So what that meant is that I had my tuition waived, and I would get a monthly stipend, and I was going to teach three sections of Psychology 101. Well, that sounded fine, all right, except here's the deal. So the first day, walking down the hall to go to class, I had to run in the bathroom and be sick. I did that for like two weeks every day when I'd go to class. I was that terrified of being in front of people. And yet I knew if I was going to have a message to share and have opportunities to really grow that message, I was going to need to get comfortable doing that. So I kept doing it. Then I enrolled in the Dale Carnegie Human Relations Program where you walk through and it gives you opportunity to speak, clarify your message in there. They talk about you earn the right, which means that, you know, I'm not going to stand up and talk about the economy in Ukraine because I don't know anything about it. I'm going to talk about, you know, old muscle cars or about following your passion, something that I really enjoy already. You earn the right because it's something that really comes from your heart. And of course, as we talked about last week, that's what makes a great speech. It's not that you know how to craft words and you're polished and how you stand and hold your, your hands together. No, it's because you have a message you are so excited about, you can't contain it. That's what makes a great speech. So doing it again and again and again is something, it's, it's the old adage, do what you fear and fear disappears. So in as much as you have this love-hate approach to 
speaking. I mean, it's like the old psychological experiments where we knew that if you had a a cookie jar on the counter and you let little kids come in there, you know, somebody's going to reach up there. Well, if they reach up for a cookie and you slap their hand, you know, that's, ooh, that's a painful experience. You know, but they know there's a cookie in there. So they go back and they do it again. That's that approach avoidance conflict we talk about in psychology, you know, but you have to work through that. So you get so that you are comfortable. Now, here's the thing. I don't want you ever to get to the point where you're so relaxed that you just casually walk up there and on stage and you start speaking. No, even like Zig Ziglar, who I mentioned, said that he always had butterflies before he was going to speak. And he said his goal was not to get rid of the butterflies. It was just to have the butterflies fly in formation. That's, that's a cool kind of image so that you have your butterflies that you have rightfully so, but they're flying in formation to help you have confidence and boldness to share a message that needs to be heard. So you do it so that you, and, and again, the goal is not to remove fear. When I had Ruth Sukup on as our Monday mentor um, this in our Eagles community, you know, we talked about the goal is not to get rid of fear. The goal is not to eliminate fear. Fear works for us. It can help protect us, keep us safe. But we want it to be like Brene Brown. I heard her talk about it one time where Brene says, uh, we want fear. You know, we can allow fear to be in the car with us, but you better be in the back seat as a passenger, not in the driver's seat. So just frame it like that. You can move through this and become the speaker that you want to be. I'll be eager to hear your update, Tom, on how that works how that works for you. Melissa says, uh, this is a fair use question. Well, fair use just meaning, you know, can I use something that's out there publicly known? Can you include a quotation from a copyrighted book that's not in the public domain in one of your own writings? That one that's intended to be sold. Specifically, I'm working on a project designed for graduating college students. I would like to include an excerpt from Oh, the Places You'll Go by Dr. Seuss. I'm thinking this probably can't be done without permission from the publisher. Well, you got a great question there, Melissa. I use quotations liberally in my books. You pick up any of my books, 48 Days to the Work You Love, No More Dreaded Mondays, Rudder of the Day. I have lots and lots of them in there. Wisdom Meets Passion, all my books are woven through with quotations from other famous, noteworthy people. Now, here's what that does. It provides a ready source. Now, you hear me here with quotations. You know, the W. Clement Stone is the one who said, do what you fear and fear disappears. You know, so I talk about that on here. I could use that in writing. And using quotations, there's an implied credibility. If I'm writing a piece and then I quote, you know, Socrates or Aristotle or Henry Ford or J.D. Rockefeller or whoever it may be, you know, or Dave Ramsey or Michael Hyatt, I mean, which I could do as well. There's an implied credibility lift in that I am associating myself with people who have a lot of credibility. So it's it's a worthy thing to do as an author to do that. That being said, I use all those quotations, and believe me, I don't go back and look for permissions. Now, again, it doesn't matter if it's Socrates, so which would be back in the public domain, or if it is Dave Ramsey or Michael Hyatt. It, it, I can use those without asking permission. Very legitimate. Here's where you have to be careful. Now, for, there's a couple things here, just a couple things, and then we're going to wrap this up. 
One is if you're using poetry or song lyrics, those people are fanatical about protecting that. Song lyrics or poetry, those you have to really be careful. But just in regular text, if I go back and find something in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, I can use a sentence out of there without any problem. If I use 250 words or more, that's kind of the tipping point for copyright protection. 250 words or more right together. I mean, I can use a sentence here, a sentence there, a sentence there, no problem. But if I use a paragraph and it's 250 words or more in length, yes, then I need to get permission from a publisher. I've got a, a quotation right at the end of No More Dreaded Mondays. It comes out of the... Um, it's on a gravestone quotation. It's fairly lengthy, written by a bishop. And I got permission from the publisher to do that. And that's where you go, not to the author, not to the person who said the, the statement, but you go to the publisher. That's where you'd have to go for that kind of permission. Now, just a kind of side note there, you guys know that I use at the beginning of the podcast here, boom, we take, we start right off with you know, taking care of business. That's, that's copyrighted, obviously. That's the old Bachman Turner Overdrive song. Oh, I can't just use that here. Well, I have a licensing agreement with Sony, the music publisher, for the use of that. So that's just for whatever meaning it fits in here. Yeah, that's another kind of use of copyrighted material. All right. Well, hey, let's just, we're going to wrap up there. Just, I want you to just keep in mind the things that we've talked about here. Those 10 characteristics of people who grow rich, you know, I want you to be really clear on what those are. And I'll list those for you in the show notes. Again, I'll go through them real quickly here. We got a little time. Number one, expect success. Two, creates a clear plan. Three, works hard. Four, avoids debt. Five, is teachable and a lifelong learner. Six, exercises self-control, persistence, and delayed gratification. Seven, accepts personal responsibility. Eight, keeps good company. Nine, is opportunity conscious. Ten, enjoys the present but plans for the future. Those are important. And the exciting thing is you can adapt. Just give yourself those characteristics if you want to. Right now, doesn't depend, doesn't require any external circumstances to change. Doesn't have to require any stimulus bonus. Doesn't require the government to come in and intervene. No, you can just decide to do those things. And regardless of circumstances, you can start moving toward being rich and whatever what whatever way that means to you. And then just some other summary points from today's episode here. If you're feeling stuck, go work on a jigsaw puzzle. I'll give you a lot of reasons why that works. We'll list some of those in the show notes as well. Always be learning. Do what you fear and fear disappears. And we'll go back to our quotation for today from Henry Ford. One of the greatest discoveries a man makes, one of his great surprises is to find he can do what he was afraid he could not do. And again, a resource was doitscared.com, where you can go do that free fear assessment. Check that out. It's a fun, quick kind of thing to do. And it'll give you a lot of insight about who you are, why you're wired the way you are, and the things that may be holding you back. And as always, golly, just thank you for being part of this 
growing community. Those of you who are in the 48 Days Eagles community, we've never seen such an explosion of engagement activity there. Love what we're seeing there. If you want to check it out, go to 48dayseagles.com. It's a starting point for anybody to join us. The door is open. Come on in and join us. We don't have a closed door. You can come on in. We have people coming in every day in that amazing community. And just another thank you for Again, being part of this community in whatever way you're connected, send your questions in to askdan at 48days.com. And keep in mind, as always, we know that together in this, we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Don't settle for less.